You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hello, everybody, and welcome into a Friday edition of Crunch Time here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion. Houston Astros, we are coming to you live from ML Teague Field at Russo Park as the Louisiana Raging Cajuns get set to battle with the App State Mountaineers in a three-game set this weekend. Matt Miguez here, my producer and co-host James Mesh, back in the Evco Development Studios. As a reminder, Evco Development is a civil construction company specializing in new multifamily construction. We'll talk about the Houston Astros. We'll talk LSU baseball. They got a big win over Tennessee last night. But most of today's show going to be pretty Cajuns-centered. Louisiana, once again, playing App State for military weekend this weekend. Louisiana currently on the field taking batting practice in some fresh, brand-new camouflage hats with the red fleur-de-lis on the front. I presume that they will be wearing those throughout the weekend. Let's bring in James Mesh now, the one and only. James, happy Friday to you, sir. How are you? Happy Friday, Matt. How you doing? I am... I'm doing very well right now. I bet you are. You're at the Teague. I'm I'm not going to lie. I am chilling in a suite. Um, I've got a TV to my left. I've got the baseball field in front of me. And uh, life is life is good. Yeah, I'm kind of jelly right now. I'm not at the Teague, and I'm looking at a dark room. Well, you know, <laughs> you're, you're the one that chose to make it dark. Yeah. So well, save some electricity. Oh, yeah, that, that's why you made it dark. Okay. Anyways... Let's get to some of the top stories that we're going to go over today. Of course, we're going to preview the Cajuns and Mountaineers. Also, James, I'm not sure if you know this. There's kind of a big basketball game going on tonight. Really? What's that? What game? Maybe maybe, maybe a, a Final Four game for LSU women's basketball. I'm not sure. Really? I had no idea. Maybe I'm just dreaming that. Yeah, that sounds I, like I a really pipe know. dream. No, but for real, um, Angel Reese, Alexis Morris, and the LSU Tigers are going to take on Virginia Tech tonight in the Final Four in Dallas. It's going to be a hell of a matchup. Which is which is why we're only going to be on the air for 90 minutes today. At 5.30, we're going to turn it over to the voice of the LSU Lady Tigers, Patrick Wright, who is live from American Airlines Center in Dallas. Uh, he will give you the pregame show for that matchup, and then, of course, the broadcast beginning at 6 o'clock. If you want social media coverage and a game recap of that contest, the big, bald, and beautiful one himself, Mr. Raymond Parsh III, is also at the American Airlines Center uh, for the game tonight. And if LSU wins and makes it to the national championship, he'll be there Sunday afternoon as well. Give us a call on the game hotlines 337-706-0111. Just because I'm not in the studio doesn't mean that I don't want to hear from you. And here in Acadiana, you can still check us out on our podcast by going to Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. James, the Houston Astros got their parade rained on a little bit last night as they fell to the Chicago White Sox 3-2 in a game where... It really seemed like, I mean, I say it seemed, it was a pitcher's duel for for the first six innings. I mean, the first run of the contest didn't come into the bottom of the seventh, and then the White Sox were able to answer with one in the eighth and then two in the ninth to seal the deal three to two. The White Sox, however, did manage to get 11 base hits, 
but the Astros were just able to strand their base runners on the base paths and not really let anybody come in to score again until the, the eighth inning. Um, Framber Valdez, I thought he pitched well five innings. He gave up six hits, no runs. He struck out four. But when you look at pitching last night, the story was Dylan Cease. Six and a third. He only gave up two hits. He had the one earned run. He struck out ten, and he is now starting the season with a 1.42 ERA. I mean, what a what a performance by the guy that finished second place behind Justin Verlander in in the Cy Young race last year. Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. I mean, to me, did you know that this was the first time since 2012 the Houston Astros had lost their opening yes. day game? Yeah, they they had won the last ten opening day contest. So yeah, it was uh, it, it was pretty surprising to to see them fall the way that they did. I mean, the the play in the ninth that scored the pair of runs. Jeremy Pena had a jump on the ball, and it just it just barely went over his head. Mm-hmm. Um, and and with the way the outfield was positioned, if it went over his head, I mean, it rolled all the way to the wall. Uh, so they they were able to score two runs pretty easily. And Jordan answered with his first home run of the year. You know, it, it's it's funny, and I heard the broadcasters talking about it last night during the game. The one thing that you can never do to Jordan Alvarez is give him a low-breaking ball. That's the one thing that you can't do if you're an opposing pitcher. And Ronaldo Lopez gave him a 89-mile-an-hour slider in the lower half of the plate, and he took that sucker for a ride. Which... I mean, are, are you surprised that in the first game of the year, Jordan Alvarez hit a home run? Because I'm certainly not. No, just like Aaron Judge. I mean, kind of picked up right where you left off, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, last night, the Astros unveiled their World Series championship banner. Uh, they fell to 0-1 on the season. Tonight, they'll wear the gold jerseys one more time. They'll get their championship rings tonight as well and hopefully bring themselves back to a 500 record at 1-1 one and one to start the season. Pitching tonight for the Astros is going to be Christian Javier, while Lance Lynn will go for the Chicago White Sox. But looking at this matchup that we're here at MLT Moorefield for, uh, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns and the App State Mountaineers, Louisiana's coming into this game with a record of 18-7. and seven. Uh, They are 5-1 and one in Sunbelt play. They've won their last two games, and James... You know, it's kind of crazy that they've played 25 games so far this year and that 68% of them so far have been in the friendly confines of, of Teagmore Field. Uh, they have played 17 home games so far this season, and they have a home record of 14-3. and three. So it, it's, it's safe to say, James, that Russo Park has been very kind to, to Matt Deggs and the Cajuns. It's really been an understatement so far. I mean, you've and, got some you've got some really impressive wins, especially with those offensive showings in those games. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look through some of the games they've played at the Teague, eleven zero over BYU, eleven ten over BYU, fourteen to seven over Campbell, you went seven nothing against Jackson State, fifteen to four, thirteen to five against Arkansas State, thirteen to one against Grambling. So I mean, you've really put up some offensive production in this park, and then of course we don't have to talk about. The, the weekend that they just had this past weekend in Mobile, scoring 32 runs in two games uh, to, to take that series back from the Jaguars. But looking at, at tonight, you know, App State's going to come in here with a record of 13-10. and 10, And when you look at the Mountaineers, one thing that really stands out to me 
is also their ability to score runs. And, you know, if you look at their schedule, like I said, they're 13-10, and 10, but they've played a lot of high-scoring affairs so far this year. I mean, if you look at it, 13 to 5 opening weekend, 16 to 7, 12 to 8, 11 to 7, 12 to 11, 16 to 15, 12 to 6. They lost one game 18 to 1. They won a game 12 to 4. There's there's been a lot of high-scoring games for the Mountaineers, but in the same sentiment if you look at it, their offense has been very productive, but their defense gives up a lot as well. Because, I mean, again, you look at some of their wins. I mean, sixteen to, they lost 16-15. to 15. They won a game 15-14. to 14. They've won a game 9-8. to eight. They lost two games to West Virginia where they were outscored 36-6 to six in, in back-to-back nights. So it's just one of those things where their offense produces, but then their defense really fails to keep the other team in, in check as well. Um, so I, I, I envision a lot of runs being scored this weekend between these two teams. Um, but in the end, I think the Cajuns' defense and the Cajuns' pitching is going to prevail a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if App State is able to to sneak a win like they did last year. But I think the Cajuns managed to take two out of three and win the series. James, what are your thoughts? Yeah, that seems the likelihood. Uh, you've already gotten a couple of kind of sweeps here and there for the Cajuns already this season. Really starting off really well in Sunbelt play. But, I mean, App State's even though their record isn't the greatest, they're still a pretty good squad, like you had said. Uh, I, I see them stealing at least one game. I, I think the Cajuns will still get this series, though, overall, and be able to get at least 20 wins on the season. So let's go through our show today. I know it's only 90 minutes, but we've got a jam-packed lineup for you. At 5 o'clock kickoff, hour number two, it's Jake Crane, host of Crane & Company. He will join us for Jake's Takes like he does each and every Friday. At 4.30, Ben Upton will join us. We'll talk college baseball. Huge win for the Tigers last night. We'll recap that, plus we'll preview this matchup between the Cajuns and the Mountaineers. But coming up next, right after this timeout, we're going to chat with the Vice President of Intercollegiate Athletics for Louisiana, Dr. Brian Maggard. He's going to join us to discuss you know, the basketball team making it to the NCAA tournament and what that does for the athletic program. The strong start for both baseball and softball and much more. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Crunch Time right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's crawfish time in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is giving you a chance to win everything you need to throw the ultimate crawfish boil with the game's ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, and Iron Horse Sales and Service. Today is the final day to register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score a $500 Visa gift card, a boiling pot, a burner, a paddle, ice chest, tumblers and chairs, and two giant sacks of live crawfish. And if that wasn't enough for you, we'll even throw in a pair of Astros tickets as a little bit of lanyap. Enter now for the ultimate crawfish boil giveaway, once again cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, Iron Horse Sales and Service, and the game. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
4.16 here on your Friday. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Give us a call on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. Let's have a conversation about the Louisiana Raging Cajuns with a man who probably knows them the best, the Vice President of Intercollegiate Athletics for the University of Louisiana, Dr. Brian Maggard. Dr. Maggard, really appreciate you taking the time. How are you on this Friday afternoon? I'm doing great. I'm over here in Houston and uh, fighting a lot of Astros traffic and Final Four traffic, and so it's uh, quite an adventure. So, you know, let's start with the men's basketball team making it to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2014, winning the Sunbelt Conference tournament as well. Jordan Brown yesterday was named the, the Lou Henson Mid-Major National Player of the Year. From a from an administration standpoint, you know, when when the program receives those kinds of accolades, what does that do for for a program in terms of exposure, recruiting, you know, things of that nature? Well, I think it just continues to elevate our profile, right? And and whether you know you're making an appearance in the NCAA tournament or getting national recognition, you know, with your coaches and or players, it just elevates the profile of not only our basketball program but the entire university, and that's something we're very proud of. And, and, you know, in, in that same sentiment, looking at both baseball and softball having strong starts to the season, uh, softball currently ranked in the top 25 and, and baseball knocking on the door of that, you know, uh, you know, elevating the profile is important. How does, how does the diamond sports at a school where diamond sports has been a big tradition even help that further? Oh, they, they play a big role in, in continuing to uh... – Again, make make a name for us uh, as both an athletic department and a university. You know, we got uh, baseball and softball both going strong, to your point, Matt, and uh, we just need to keep it going. Softball just got a big win at JMU today, and so, um, you know, we just got to continue to to win at a high level, and when we do that, we will absolutely elevate our university as a whole. Now, you know, I, I know it's not typically called a, a state of the union when, when you look at an athletic program, but in, in your opinion, what, what's the state of Louisiana athletics right now from the administration side, on-field performance, you know, the master plan, things of that nature? Yeah. Well, I think right now things are just very solid, I would say. You know, certainly winning championships is what we want to do and continue to do, and, and Coach Marlin and his program got us off to a great start. You know, this winter slash spring, um, you know, we have great opportunities both in softball and baseball, to your point. And, look, men's tennis is on a roll. With what Coach Godin and his uh, team are doing right now, we've got, I think, great opportunity to, to compete for a Sunbelt championship in the men's tennis side. And, um, you know, I just think at the end of the day we're, we're doing very, very well, but we always want to do better, right? You know, we know we can do better. We've got other sport programs that, you know, we need to uh, have them – support us in that championship approach and uh we'll get there but overall i'm very proud uh certainly basketball was a huge huge championship win um you know about a few weeks ago and uh we just got to keep things rolling right and uh, we've got more money to raise we've got more facilities to build and improve and uh we're not where we need to be yet in my opinion but i would say this i think our best days uh, are yet to come Chatting with Dr. Brian Maggard, the Vice President of Intercollegiate Athletics. Now, Doc, in that same sentiment, I'm going to ask you about the latest update on the Cajun field renovation. You know, where do where do things stand there? How far away are we from, from breaking ground on, on the new Cajun field? 
Well, you know, first of all, we're still in the design phase. Uh, we also have, you know, a couple more T's to cross and I's to dot on uh, securing all the financing we need. But the design is going very well. We're, we're almost through schematic design, which is the first of three phases that you need to uh, implement. And, and should things stay on track, we uh, would hope to be able to start uh, the demolition at the end of the 23 football season and uh, start, start construction soon after that. And, you know, one last question. I haven't had the chance to uh, to ask you about this. Uh, just a couple months ago, uh, Nick Yanko was named the athletic director over at Murray State. When somebody that, that has worked under you for many years moves on to a, to a position like that, an athletic director position in the same spot as you, you know, what does that mean for, for you to, to know that somebody you mentored uh, has, has moved on to bigger and better things? Well, for one, I mean, it just makes me very proud. I'm, I'm certainly happy for Nico and his wife, Marnie, and their family. Uh, you know, I think it's a testament to the hard work he did here. But, um, you know, it's also, again, it's just a, it's a very good feeling, I would tell you, Matt. It's uh, something that I'm proud of and certainly uh, wish Nico all the best. I think he'll do very, very well in this profession in that AD chair. And, um, you know, but it's uh, a little bit like the next man up, right? we got to continue to move on, continue to do great things here at UL, and hopefully we find other people who have a chance to, to elevate themselves in the profession like Nico did. No, absolutely. Dr. Brian Maggard, Vice President of Intercollegiate Athletics, joining us here on the Game Hotline. Dr. Maggard, really appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy Houston, and uh, we'll see you at the ballpark tomorrow. Yes, sir. We appreciate it, and thank you for your time, Matt. And there he goes, Dr. Brian Maggard, the Vice President of Intercollegiate Athletics for the University of Louisiana. Let's take a look at our poll question of the day, which is up on social media. And it has to do with the LSU women's basketball team. Kim Mulkey and her crew getting ready about two hours from now to take on Virginia Tech in in the Final Four, how far will the women go in the Final Four? Do they lose tonight in the semis? Will they lose in the title game? Or will they win a national championship? So far, 24% of you say they'll lose tonight to Virginia Tech. 54% say that they'll lose in the title game. And then 22% say that they will win a national championship. JK says, my heart says Natty all the way, but my brain says they lose to that buzzsaw that is South Carolina. I'm going to go out on a limb here, James. I don't think they play South Carolina. I have a very good feeling that, that Iowa wins. Caitlin Clark trashes South Carolina. Wow. And, and when I say trash, not like, you know, they're going to blow South Carolina out. No, but, but like you, you're, you're calling it Clark, an upset. Caitlin Clark's going to have a 40-point night. Interesting. And they're gonna, they're just gonna be. She's just gonna be too much for South Carolina to handle. Um, you know, to where I, I thought Maryland could have could have taken them out if they would have just done a couple of things better. Um, and, and obviously, you know, Iowa's probably watched that tape multiple times and have learned where, where South Carolina's weaknesses are. And I think they're gonna exploit them. And look, as good as Caitlin Clark is, I, I really think that a Iowa LSU matchup favors Kim Mulkey. Yeah, I would say it would favor Kim Mulkey and the Tigers at that point. But to me, look, as good as Caitlin Clark is, you can't rely on just a one-woman show almost 
to beat a juggernaut mm-hmm. like South Alabama. Cause, no, it's, because even, even though you have Aaliyah Boston, even though you have her, you still have Zia Cook, who's putting up actually more points per game than Aaliyah is. And then you also have Camila Cordozo, also just having respect to yeah, stats Cordoza's. as well. And she, she, she's making a name for herself as well. So it's like, it's not a, it's not a one woman show. It's a whole squad versus right. what feels like then, a one and, woman in Iowa with Caitlin Clark. And then Don Staley is just such a great coach. Oh yeah. They've, um, they've been around the block multiple times. There, there there's a reason she's back to back national coach of the year. Um, but, yeah, no, I think it's going to be a great weekend of women's college basketball. It's also going to be a great weekend of men's college basketball in the Final Four. Uh, you know, we, we talked about it yesterday, and three of the four teams have never come this far. Right. Uh, you, look at a, you, look at a, you look at a Florida Atlantic, before this year, they'd never won a game in the NCAA tournament. And now all of a sudden they're – It never happened. They're in the Final Four. Like, And now they're in the Final Four. Who would have thought it? Not me. It's it's absolutely unreal. Uh, Five oh nine tomorrow. Florida Atlantic will take on San Diego State, and then the nightcap tomorrow is Miami and UConn. James, I'm going to give you my picks now for both of these games. Mm-hmm. I've got UConn and Florida Atlantic in the title game. It's funny because I actually have the same two as well. Was it I Jake? UConn and Florida Atlantic in the title game? Was it Jake? I can't recall. Was it Jake that said FAU? He had them making it all the way. And win the yeah, entire he, tournament? he put a bet on FAU to win it all. I thought yep. so. I, I I thought that was who I was thinking of, but I had to make sure. Um. Yeah. I, 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 I bet. I bet he's nervous, like, and that's something we could ask him at the top of the hour. I, I think he said he'd win like three grand if if uh, if Florida Atlantic makes it all the way, which would uh be a be a nice little payday for for anybody. Oh yeah. Really. Um. Look, I. But I'd, yeah, I mean, I'd Florida, love for FAU to win it, but it's I'm. When you look at UConn and how they've performed throughout the tournament, none of their games have been close. None the most them. they've given They're, up is 65, and the lowest they've scored themselves in a game was 70. Yeah, those were, those were closest, two separate games. Their closest win was by 15 points. Um, so they they really haven't struggled in, in the NCAA tournament. And uh, so, I, look... I know people are high on Miami, and as they should be. Jim Laranega is a great coach. You've got Isaiah Wong. You've got uh, Normad Arshier from formerly of uh, Arkansas State in the Sun Belt. They're they're a great program, but the way UConn has been able to just wear opponents down and beat them by 15, 20 points in this NCAA tournament, I think you're going to see a very similar fate for the Hurricanes, mm-hmm. um, because Jordy brought up a great point. You know, guards do win titles, but at the same time, if all you've got is guards and your guards aren't on, you're done. Yeah, like if they, so if they have one a, bad shooting night, then you're done, though. Having, having really good guards is kind of the same thing as living and dying by the three-pointer. If you're, if, if you're hitting threes, then, I mean, you're going to be great. But the second you go cold... And that's the only that's the only facet of your game. You, you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I could I could see Miami running into a very similar problem uh, against UConn tomorrow night in Houston. Looking at some other top stories in sports before we take a timeout. Ben Upton coming up here in just a couple of minutes to talk college baseball. Mental 
mental health being a, a big conversation in, in terms of the transfer portal this year in college basketball. Um, I, I find that very interesting, James. Um, as somebody, look, I mean, I, I don't hide it. I, I struggle with mental health. Um, for it to become something that is just being talked about you know, time and time again in, in sports here the last couple of years, has just been so refreshing to see because, I mean, we, we, we look at these, these athletes like they're you know, superheroes, right? But at the end of the day, they're normal people that, that go through normal feelings and normal emotions. Um, so, so the fact that mental health is, is being looked at as a, as a normal thing in the sports world now is uh, it, it's just really good to see. Um, staying on the college basketball track, Kansas star freshman Grady Dick has declared for the NBA draft. Um, and the MLB, the NBA and the NBA Players Association have been looking at lowering the minimum age for American players to jump into the NBA draft out of high school from 19 to 18. Um, really clearing the way for the one-and-done rule to continue. Um, because there were there were talks to go back to the old way of, of players being able to jump out of high school, uh, but n- currently neither side feels strongly enough on change to make it a significant negotiation piece, um, which which is interesting because I wish that they that they would just go back to to letting guys go out of high school because there's so many instances where you have guys you know like like a like a Zion Williamson like a um, like a Grady Dick at Kansas and, and a handful of others that only go to college because they have to. So I, I really wish that they would just uh, eliminate that part, um, either eliminate it or do what college football has done, where you have to be part of a program for three years. Um, you can be a draft-eligible sophomore if you redshirt, but you have to be with a college program for three seasons before you can declare for the draft. It either has to be one side or the other. It can't be in the middle like it like it currently is right now. But we'll go ahead and take a time out here on Crunch Time 431 on your Friday. Ben Upton joins us next to talk Cajuns and Tigers right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Grand slams, no-hitters, and double plays are back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. You just got to go to FanDuel.com slash KLWB and sign up, place your first bet, and then you'll get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. I'm going to take the Astros to win the AOS, even though they did lose their first game. I'm going to take Christian Javier to have over... 199 and a half total strikeouts on the season and then for Aaron Judge to be the home run leader when it's all said and done. So don't miss out on your shot at a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just got to go to FanDuel.com slash KLWB to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit is required. Refunds are issued as non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduelcom sportsbook. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. This is Crunch Time, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 
1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. almost 4.37 here on your Friday. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, give us a call on the game hotline. It's 337-706-0111. James is back in the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. I am live from ML Teagmore Field at Russo Park. App State has taken the field for their pregame warm-ups. Uh, game gets underway here in a little less than 90 minutes. Jake Hammond will be on the mound for the Cajuns tonight as they will look to make their record 19-7 and so far on this new season. Still working to get Ben Upton to, to join us from the 11.7 podcast to talk Cajuns and Tigers baseball. As Once a reminder, uh, vote on our poll question of the day. Can LSU win a national championship? If not, how far will they go in the Final Four? Will they lose tonight? Will they lose Sunday in the national title game, or will they win on? Will they win at all? Will they win a national championship? You can vote on that on Facebook, Twitter, as well as our community tab on YouTube. Yesterday, Brian Kelly met with the media to give a recap on spring practice thus far, um, and he talked about the practice schedule that lies ahead, as well as the upcoming spring game for LSU that's going to take place inside of Tiger Stadium. Here's head coach Brian Kelly. You know, we've been very, uh, I think, deliberate in terms of the way we've gone about our practice schedule. Um, but, but it functioned very similar. I think we probably have chopped maybe 10, 15 minutes off of a normal schedule, but, but have done everything that we normally would do. I think we've just abbreviated it a little bit. And I think Brad's been really good in terms of making sure that, um, you know, his focus has been, you know, technique oriented more so than um, a heavy dose of contact. And, and so I think that that's worked out pretty good. So, you know, going into this weekend, I think we we're in a pretty good position where we're, you know, rotating too deep. Um, you know, there, there's going to be some spring game action. Now, if we abbreviate it and, and then, you know, maybe you see some situational work as well, um, you know, that's, that's on the table. But there'll be some, there'll be some live scrimmaging um, in, in the game. Um, but expect to see maybe some you know, some situational work as well. Um, and, and, and maybe uh, we'll throw in a couple of other wrinkles in there, um, you know, to keep it uh, lively uh, for everybody. But um, I think we're in a pretty good position now as we get closer and closer um, to the halfway point that, that we'll be able to get uh, a good scrimmage in. Coach Kelly also talked about the progress that his defensive line has made with guys like Mason Smith and Makai Wingo back to lead the charge there for the defense. You know, Coach Chapman, uh, as you, as you know, is is a you know uh, a well credentialed, um, experienced uh, defensive line coach. So you know, obviously, he's coaching um, you know the the interior 
um, defensive lineman uh, during the spring. We feel great about that. And then Coach Jancic is is coaching the Jack. So uh, from that perspective, um, you know, we'll go through the spring, uh, and and then, you know, obviously we're, you know, putting together our thoughts relative to, um, you know, do we hire. Um, within, do we, we go outside? I, and I think all of our options are on the table. We, you know, we think uh, it's important that, um, you know, this is a position that we examine all options. Um, but again, we have, you know, outstanding coaches here, and um, we want to be able to get through the spring and then, and then go from there. Coach Kelly, when meeting with the media yesterday, also gave an update on Noah Kane because with the running back room the way it is, you know, John Emery Jr. away from the team right now because of, of academic reasons. Josh Williams recovering from an injury he suffered last year. Armani Goodwin suffering recovering from an injury that he suffered last year. When you look at the running back room right now, it's the freshman Trey Holly, who is the LHSAA all-time leading rusher from last year. And then... The, the veteran guy is, is, is now Noah Kane taking the, the majority of the reps. So, so Coach Kelly offered an update on his Penn State transfer running back. So Noah's a lot more, I think, aware of the areas that he needed to work on. And so uh, he's in, I think he's lost some body fat. I think he's, not that he was fat, but he's leaner. Um, and I think that that has allowed him to, um, at his position, um, just move more fluid. And um, you could see it in just in, in the way he's running the football. Secondly, I think it's, um, it's been really good for him because he's gotten a lot of work in, in pass protection. Um, you know, Williams had been our kind of our third down back. Now Noah's getting a chance to get all those reps, which has been really good for him. So I, I think just being more of a complete back, um, you know, losing, you know, some of the body weight, um, leaning up um, has allowed him to be quicker and, and transitioning um, in and out of his breaks. And then, you know, I think from a tactical standpoint, picking up third down blitzes, things like that have, has really helped him. Brian Kelly also talked about and, and this one's going to be such a fun conversation. What's the plan for Harold Perkins going forward? After his breakout freshman season, there's a ton of versatility with him. He could play linebacker. He could really probably play edge rusher as well. So what's the plan for the superstar sophomore going forward? Yeah, we want to play in linebacker. Um, you know, we, we got him on the field last year in an accelerated role based upon the fact that there, there was just – too much for him to digest and we didn't want to get in the way of you know too much meant you know paralysis by analysis right so uh, I thought Matt did a great job of making things uh, a lot smoother for him so we could get him on the field and let him play fast now it's it's time to to take the whole um, you know position and you know teach it so you know, he's a linebacker. He's going to play linebacker. Uh, and um, he's fully uh, invested in that position. So uh, you'll see him playing linebacker for us. James, can, can I just take a moment to emphasize how scary 
this defense is going to be for LSU this year? Oh, man. It's going to be pretty good. And I love that they're going to keep him pretty versatile because with how athletic Carol Perkins is, relegating him to just being an edge rusher. Correct. Uh, like that that wouldn't break out his full potential. Right. Him him being able to kind of do a like just about everything like how we had seen with previous linebackers like Devin White and others. Like seeing them kind of just roam the whole field. Like, dude, you're right. athletic enough, you can do all this. And we can put you in so many different spots. You're not just an edge rusher. You're not just a pass rush or a pass coverage guy. Like you Correct. can do it all. Mason Smith's going to be back from injury that mm-hmm. he suffered last year against uh, Florida State in the season opener. Greg Brooks is back in the secondary. Obviously, we just talked about Harold Perkins. You bring in Denver Harris, the transfer from A and M, and then you've got, you know, you you look further down. You've still got Sage Ryan in the secondary. You've still got Makai Wingo coming back on the defensive line. Zai Alexander transfers in from Southeastern. JV and Toviano is, is a freshman that has lit the spring camp on, on, on fire. Major Burns is back in that secondary. Greg Penn is back as well. And then and then I haven't even gotten to this part. How about Omar Spites transferring in from Oregon State? We I remember when it happened we talked to Brendan Ertle about it. You know, Brendan is a is a student and a football video coordinator for Oregon State, and he just talked about how big of a get that that is for LSU. He's going to play a huge role in in Matt House's offense. So I, I'm almost intrigued to say that this defense might be better this year than it was in in 2022 for the Tigers. Yeah, I I wouldn't doubt it. And then I'm I'm kind of looking at the roster as well, looking at Jackson Howard. I mean. When you see mm-hmm. edge rushers and those kind of guys, you're kind of more used to them wearing, you know, the 70s, the 90s. When you see a guy that's got either a single digit or pretty close to a single digit, that's somebody you got to look yeah. out for. And I'm kind of looking at I'm looking at Jackson Howard right now because he's wearing he, 11. He's rocking. He's rocking 11. The 6'4", 240 pound freshman. Uh, I've I've heard big things about him. Oh, so yeah. uh, I think he's I think he's gonna fit right in in Baton Rouge. And look, if the offense can produce like it did last year, I I'm tempted to put LSU in the playoff conversation for for 2023. Um, obviously, you know Alabama's going to be the the team that they've been the last couple of years. Georgia will still be good. Um, I, I don't know that they're going to go for for a three peat here. Um, and then you know the other competition in the SEC. I'm really intrigued to see what Ole Miss does. Um, you know, obviously Walker Howard transferred over to Oxford. You still have Jackson Dart. Um, really interested to see what Lane Kiffin puts together in uh, in Oxford because after this season, things are going to get a lot more interesting when Texas and Oklahoma come into play. The SEC is going to become a, a 16-team league. You're not really going to have divisions anymore it's more going to be a a, a pod system and uh things are going to get a lot more intriguing with with two perennial powers two more perennial powers i should say jumping into the sec but we'll take a time out we'll come back with mesh's segment and then wrap up hour number one right after this this is crunch time on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles 
Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The Karen Crow Cultural District invites you to a free family event that celebrates both the spring season and the Easter holiday with the downtown Karen Crow Spring Festival tomorrow from 11 to 3 at the Patriots Pavilion behind City Hall in downtown Karen Crow. Join them for an Easter egg hunt, games, and activities, including a cookie decorating craft section, local food, and more. So come out tomorrow to the downtown Karen Crow Spring Festival from 11 to 3 at the Patriots Pavilion. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Do want to remind you that Grand Slams, no hitters, and double plays are back. And there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. You just got to go to FanDuel.com slash KLWB and sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. I'm going to take the Astros to win the AL West. Christian Javier to have at least 199.5 total strikeouts, and then Aaron Judge to be the home run leader by the end of the regular season. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. You just got to go to FanDuel.com KLWB to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit is required. Refunds are issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restricted supply. See full terms at FanDuel.com sportsbook. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Looking as we're wrapping up the rest of the first hour, do want to remind you that we are broadcasting live from FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. I'm still here in the studio, but Matt is at the Teague. And let's talk Aha. about the Cajuns and why the reason why he's at the Teague tonight. I mean, they play App State tonight. Jake Hammond is going to be starting on the mound for the Cajuns. Big time matchup. Well, Jackson Nezu. He was the Sunday starter. He's actually going to be the Saturday starter. Yeah, he's uh, he's worked himself into that Saturday role. I mean, we talked about it yesterday, and Coach Matt Dykes has really talked about it over the last couple of weeks. Every time he takes the mound, he just gets better and better every single appearance that he makes. I mean, you look at his numbers so far on the season. He, he's still got a 7 ERA, but in seven appearances, six starts, he's 4-0. He's pitched 30 and a third innings. He's given up 34 hits, 26 runs, all earned. He's only walked 10. He struck out 37. He's given up eight doubles, four home runs, and batters are hitting 281 against him. Uh, He had a really bad start his first outing out, but then ever since then, James, he's really done a nice job of controlling the the narrative of when he's when he's out on the mound. I mean, named a collegiate baseball national player of the week just a couple of weeks ago. Um, but if you look at his stat line for the season, you know, his most recent game against South Alabama, he goes five and two thirds, only gives up six hits, three runs. He struck out five. But then the last time he pitched at home was against Arkansas State on March 19th, 12 days ago. And he went eight innings of one-hit baseball, one run. 
He walked only two and struck out nine in 108 pitches. So, you know, every week he's progressed a little bit more and a little bit more for Louisiana to the point where Matt Dex has trusted him enough to put him in that Saturday spot. Hopefully Jake Hammond can go out and get the Cajuns a win tonight and put them in position for Jackson to come in tomorrow and lock up the series a little early. But, James, one thing I find interesting real quick as we as we get ready to wrap up hour number one is that with Matt Deggs, it feels like every game they wear a new uniform. Like they have so many uniforms now with Matt Deggs mm-hmm. that they never wear the same one on back-to-back nights. It's kind of like Oregon where you, know, you pretty Absolutely. much never see it again. So, so, so what are the Cages wearing right now? So tonight they've got a – it's a white jersey with mm-hmm. red trim down the center. Um, and, and over to the left, it's got their jersey numbers. Over to the right, it's got the fleur de lis, and then the number on the back. Ooh, okay. Um, it's it's a very clean look, and then of course they're wearing the digital camo hats in, in honor of, of Military Appreciation Weekend with the big red fleur de lis in the center. Um, it's a good look. Once I once App State puts on their once App State puts on their uniforms, I'll, I'll let you know what uh what they're in. Right now, they're still in their warm up gear. Their black shirts and and gold shorts, um, but no, going to be a good game. Going to be a good weekend. Both teams going to put up a ton of runs. Um, it, it's going to come down to which defense can do the best job of slowing the offenses down. But that's going to do it for hour number one here on Crunch Time live from Russo Park. When we return, we'll kick off hour number two with Jake Crane, host of Crane and Company. You're listening to the game. It is Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Just 30 minutes to go here on your Friday edition of Crunch Time as we're broadcasting live from ML Teague Field at Russo Park as the Louisiana Raging Cajuns get ready to open up a Sunbelt Series with the App State Mountaineers. Matt Miguez here, James Mesh, back in the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development is a civil construction company specializing in new multifamily construction. Give us a call on the game. Hotline is 337-706-0111. In hour number one, we talked with the athletic director for Louisiana, Dr. Brian Maggard, talked about the state of the program, uh, looked at the men's basketball team making it to the NCAA tournament and what that means from a profile perspective and much more. Uh, We also previewed, speaking of the NCAA tournament, we previewed LSU women getting ready to get underway here in about half an hour as they will look to make it to their first national championship game as they'll play top-seeded Virginia Tech and much more here in hour number two. We're going to kick it off with our guy Jake Crane, host of Crane and Company. Each and every Friday we do Jake's Takes. Jake, happy Friday to you, brother. How are you? Man, happy Friday. I'm doing great. Uh, always good to hop on here with y'all. So question number one I've got, you know, it's obvious that, you know, we're, we're some baseball fanatics and especially college baseball. Last night in Baton Rouge, we, we, we probably got the best pitching matchup that you're going to see all weekend or all season, really. Because um, if you look at the MLB draft rankings, Paul Skeens comes in at number four, uh, the, the LSU ace, and then Chase Dolander 
who pitched for Tennessee last night. He's number two behind Dylan Cruz. Um, Alex Box also setting an attendance record last night with over 13,600 people. Uh, I mean, could, could it get better than that in, in the SEC on a Thursday night? No, I mean, that's that's an, an elite in atmosphere as you're going to find uh, around the country uh, when it comes to college baseball. Uh, you look at the talent level from both teams. I mean, it's it's always go, uh, fun to watch those games in general with how hard SEC teams play, but you're looking at the pinnacle of the sport and, and two teams that I'm pretty sure we are going to see in Omaha this year. I was shocked, just like everybody else, that Tennessee got put out in the Supers, and then you look at LSU and that lineup and, and that pigeon staff. Uh, it's back to LSU baseball. So it was great for the game. Uh, it, the matchup delivered just like we thought it would, and uh, I'm, I'm excited for the next two. Yeah, and you know, um, the the other thing uh, about this weekend in college baseball with, with LSU and Tennessee is, is like you mentioned, you know, these are two teams that will more than likely end up in Omaha. And it, it's interesting because if you look at LSU's schedule last weekend, you, you played Arkansas at the box in the top five matchup, and then you have Tennessee in the box this weekend. You know, how important is it for, for a team – like LSU to have these big series back to back like this to really sharpen you up for the back half of the season. Yeah, well, look, it's uh, anytime you're going out there and playing against stiff competition, it makes you better and it makes it normal. It, it normalizes high level play. I think that's what gives the SEC an advantage and why you see teams from the Southeastern Conference are so prepared when they go to postseason play. And it's not just in baseball. Uh, again, if, if the normal standard is elite play, uh, then you're getting that basically week in and week out in this league, just like in basketball and pretty much in football. There is no weekend off. There is no you know road game where it's a little bit easier. So that's the, the positive side uh, of playing in the SEC. MLB opening day yesterday. How easy was it for you to, to keep up with, with every game going on, being that this was the first time ever that all 30 teams uh, played on opening day? Well, you know, it was great. It's impossible to watch all of them. I was obviously honed in on my Braves, starting out good. You know, I know Max went off a little bit with an injury. Uh, shocker that there's an injury in the Braves to start in rotation. But the team looked good. I, I thought, you know, there's one thing that that upset me is, Obviously, the big political news. Like, y'all got to drop that on opening day. Like, baseball, like, we're struggling over here with baseball, trying to just get everybody as excited as possible, and then y'all do that on opening day. I, I, I didn't like that in general, but especially with it being on opening day. But, look, uh, there's going to be some great races. Uh, you look how deep the NL East is. Um, you know, the Astros lost yesterday, but, shoot, they, we all know how talented they are, even without Verlander. So uh, I, th- I thought it was a successful opening day. I don't like the pitch clock. We had one, uh, you know, a couple instances where it reared its head yesterday. Uh, but no, man, I-, I thought it was good they all played. And at the end of the day, we got Major League Baseball back, and I'm excited. As a Braves fan, what are your thoughts on on the news that Orlando Arcia gets a, a three-year extension in Atlanta? Well, my thing is this. Like, I mean, I'm going to trust Alex Anthopoulos and Brian Snicker. They've given me no reason not to. I mean, Arcia comes up and gets the first RBI of the season yesterday. So I, I trust them. I, I, I go by the old saying, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. Uh, I think the Braves organization and management have, have shown us over time now that they know what they're doing. I'm going to trust them. They're one, they, they hadn't lost yet all year, so it looks like a good move. Are, are the Saints getting their hopes up a little bit? or Saints fans getting their hopes up a little bit with how good this offense is starting to look on paper? 
look, it just depends on, like, how high are your hopes. Like, I just don't think you're winning the Super Bowl with Derek Carr. I just, again, if your hopes are being, you know, winning the division and maybe winning a game in the playoffs, then okay. I, I, I could be hopeful for that, especially when the division looks as bad as it's going to be. But I, I just, I don't believe in Derek Carr. I'm sorry. Uh, it just not that he doesn't care. I mean, he cares more than anybody. He cries at press conferences. Like I, I like that you care that much. But uh, people talk about, oh, he didn't have this weapon. He didn't have that weapon. No, what? What are you talking about? You had Devontae Adams. You look at some of the weapons he had at the Raiders over time, and to only have one playoff game appearance, man, I, I just, I don't believe. Now, now let me ask you this, and I know this might sound like an obvious question that you might answer. Well, yeah, duh, Matt. That's obvious, but. Say say Derek Carr comes out in New Orleans this year and throws for, you know, forty five hundred yards. They win the division, maybe win a game or two in, in the playoffs. Do you believe in him going forward now that he performed as well as he as he did outside of the Raiders organization? Well, I mean, when you paint it in that hypothetical, I mean, you'd have to have a little bit more belief. But I just, when it comes down to it, it takes, in my opinion, a certain type of someone. To, to do it in the Super Bowl and, and to be able to win a Super Bowl, uh, I just don't think Derek Carr's that guy. I just – I don't. May, I believe more, but I could say what happens when he comes out next year and looks like he has his whole career. I mean, then then what? Yeah, no, you, you're absolutely right. Chatting with Jake Crane here on this Friday. Let's go to the NBA now, uh, the, the New Orleans Pelicans. I, I love to love them, but in the same sentiment, they also love to let me down. Uh, I mean, they picked up a win last night. I know that it seems a little tainted because the the Nuggets were without Nikola Jokic. But if you look at the the stretch that they have the rest of the way, I mean, you're going to play the Clippers tomorrow night, and then you've got Memphis, you've got the Knicks, you've got the Timberwolves. I mean, you have a brutal stretch to end the season. And out of the next five games, I would venture to say that the Pelicans need to win three of them if they want to avoid the the play-in tournament. Um, you know, can can they can they avoid the play in tournament to the point that maybe Zion Williamson's back for the playoffs? I mean, look, it's the NBA, and anything can happen, really, uh, especially in the Western Conference. Again, I, this Grizzlies team—it's just amazing. Or excuse me, this Pelicans team—it's just amazing how quickly you can lose momentum, right? Right. Mm-hmm. You remember everybody last year, like the, what the Pels were doing without Zion. Everyone is excited. Then it's hey, let's Supermax Zion. He's never going to be. He's never going to stay healthy. I, I don't think he ever is. But again, uh, whether it's the play-in or they sneak in, you know, without having to hop in the play-in, I don't see this team being able to make a run and, and even get to the conference finals. Um, you know, at, at any given night they can fill it up. We know that. We've seen that. But when it comes to teams that can win in multiple ways, I just don't think that the Pelicans are a very versatile team. So in the NBA, who's your favorite right now to to win it all? Well, look, I still think the Eastern Conference is the best conference. So in between, you know, the the Bucks and the Celtics, I think if Chris Middleton stays healthy, the Bucks are going to be really tough to beat. You know, that was kind of their Achilles heel last year. But looking at the Western Western Conference, man, I, I just again with Denver, they, they have these great they, regular seasons, and then they get into the playoffs. They're not able to make the moves, but Jokic is so good. Uh, you're just wondering when they're going to break through in that realm. But I tell you what, man, the Sacramento Kings have been such a great story. I don't think they have a chance to win it, but just the fact that they're able to to do what they did this year with the Lakers, 
you know, kind of flopping, and then the Clippers, you know, not living up to the expectations, and then Golden State, who we all know if Golden State sneaks in the playoffs, what that bunch can do when they get all together. So I would say it's good. the champion's going to come out of the Eastern Conference, so I'm going to go with the Bucks. And, you know, uh, you, you brought up the, the point that the Eastern Conference is better than the West, and I, and I don't disagree with you there. But isn't it so interesting to say that when just, you know, five or so years ago, you know, when, when I was starting out in college and even in high school, the East was going to be won by whoever LeBron was playing for, and the West was the toughest conference in the league. And now it's, it's flipped. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, it's all cyclical. I mean, you can say the same thing about the divisions in the SEC. I mean, when you, when you, especially in professional leagues where you're able to, you know, with the way the drafts are built and teams that struggle are able to get high draft picks, you're a lot closer together. So, therefore, parity is a lot easier to achieve. Not that it's easy to achieve in general, but it's a lot easier to achieve in professional sports than it is in college. And that same sentiment, that's why, it just shocks me that I see some of the same people that get on TV and cry about parody and, oh, the SEC's ruined college football because they dominated, are also upset because there's not all blue bloods in the Final Four. It just amazes me how one person can think those same things. You know, looking at pro sports and staying on the topic of the NBA, there was talks that the NBA would allow players to go out of high school into the NBA yet again, lowering the minimum age to 18. And they've decided to table that for now and put it on the back burner. Do you feel like they should go back to where they were letting kids go out of high school, or or do you like the one-and-done system that they're currently in? Well, I think basketball is a sport where you have the ability to go one-and-done and you can physically be ready to play at that level. Now, mentally, that's that's a different thing. But I don't see the, you know, it's not the NFL. You're not sending some 18-year-old kid to go out there and play against the Ravens. I mean, this is this is basketball. So I've always thought, you know, just like baseball, there's guys in baseball that come right out of high school and they're able to go help an organization quickly. In basketball, it's the same. Now, is it a high percentage? No, but it's not like every kid in high school was getting drafted. And to be honest with you, I think it's better for college, as crazy as it sounds, for, for the level of college basketball when kids can go out of high school instead of doing this one-and-done thing because it doesn't work. You don't win. Cha- How many one-and-done teams have won championships? Not many. Like, look at the Final Four right now. How many times it worked for Kentucky? Anthony mm. Davis won them a championship. That's it. Since right. How about Duke? Hell, it didn't work for Duke so much they really stopped doing it. So, right. like, at the end of the day, I, I older teams give you better games in March. And, and I what? think that helps achieve parity. If a kid's good enough to go out of high school in baseball or basketball, then let them go. Golf, let them go. Football, that's a different, that's a different level. That, that's, a, that's a different argument. But, yes, I feel like you should be able to go out of high school in basketball. So, and, you know, I've almost, I've almost, I've, I've brought this topic up before. When looking at, basketball you know like you just mentioned it's better for them to go out of high school and i agree should they set it up to where if they decide to go to college it's the similar rules to football where you have to spend three years with a program before you're draft eligible no i I, again i don't i i think you should let them make the choice of hey i'm either going out of high school or i'm going to college and if i'm good enough after that first year then i'm gonna go like i just I don't think you should pigeonhole it either way. You know, I don't think you should say, hey, 
you either have to go out of high school or stay three years or say uh, you have to go out of high school. Like, I feel like if the kid goes to college, decides not to go straight to the pros, and he's good enough to get drafted after his first year, I mean, heck, let him go. Looking at the final four, three of the four teams have uh, never played in the final four. FAU hadn't won a tournament game until 2022. I know you put a bet on FAU to win it all. Uh, how, yeah. how confident How confident are you feeling in that right now? I mean, look at this. I never thought it would get to this point. So, I mean, you know, the, my biggest issue is this. All right, I feel like the San Diego State matchup's a better one than, than the Creighton one would have been. And if they're able to sneak by San Diego State, do I cash it out if they play UConn, who's just destroying everybody right now, or do I let the lightning ride? That's the question I'm well, going I was, back and forth. So you got to get past tomorrow. I was actually, I was just about to ask. Do, do you, do you, are you almost tempted to cash out now? No, no, it's not worth. Look, ten bucks to win two grand. They're offering me a hundred bucks. Look, I didn't. Sometimes you gotta, you show them the face of the dragon. So if if FAU wins tomorrow, what do you think? What do you think the offer goes up to to cash out? I need I need to see a number. This is like a real like who wants to be a millionaire type situation. Except <laughs> I wish we were dealing with that amount of money. What other bets are you making this weekend, Jake? Man, I I like the over in the FAU game at uh, SC in the San Diego State game one thirty one and a half. Jordan Hawkins is sick for UConn. Like how sick? I need to know these things. Plus five and a half Miami sick or or minus five and a half UConn sick. I'm going to be fine the next day. I love the over. I think it's at 149 for Miami-UConn. I think that's going to be a score fest because UConn, they're able to run well enough even though they're a big team. I think that's what makes them dangerous. Uh, so those are two I'm leaning on. And plus, look, Nerfies in Major League Baseball, man. No run first inning. Find you a good pitching matchup. You know, it's, they typically hover around, you know, plus 105 to minus 130. You can, you can get some good value there. Jake Crane, host of Crane & Company, joining us here on crunch time jake appreciate you as always uh enjoy this crazy weekend of sports women's final four men's final four does lsu win a natty this year in the women's final four man i don't know south carolina's basically got a guys team so good luck but kim (laughs) mulkey's building a monster and uh enjoy wrestlemania because i know you're going to be watching it yeah man i mean i'm yeah i'm gonna be straight you strapped in my chair watching that one man it's still real to me Jake, appreciate you, bud. We'll do it again next week. That'll be good. And there he goes, Jake Crane, the host of Crane and Company. We'll take a timeout here on Crunch Time, and when we return, we'll talk a little bit more about LSU Virginia Tech as they're getting ready to go, and then, of course, we'll talk more Cajuns baseball. Heath Hood and Julian Brock absolutely blistering the baseball. We'll talk about all that next week. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you want to see the defending World Series champs in person, well, then you're in luck because the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our first Astros weekend getaway of the season as Houston takes on the Texas Rangers on Saturday, April 15th. And you can be there. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans, 
Mikas and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Mikas and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're back 525 here on your Friday. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, broadcasting live from MLT Moore Field at Russo Park. James is back in the Evco Development Studios. Just got a couple of minutes left before we get on out of here to the weekend. James, let's talk a little bit more about this Cajuns baseball game. And the story for the Cajuns is going to be this offense. Heath Hood comes into this game hitting 402 with five doubles, a triple, two homers, and 21 RBIs. He's got a slugging percentage of 543 and an on-base percentage of 459, and he is 19 of 21 on stolen bases so far this season. And then you've got Julian Brock behind the dish, uh, one of the better catchers defensively in the country, I, w- I would venture to say. And-, and he has shown up this year as one of the better hitting catchers as well. 377 on the season with seven doubles, seven homers, 34 RBIs. He's hitting a 740 slugging percentage, a 486 on base percentage, and he's walked 20 times. He has more walks than he does strikeouts, James. That's incredibly impressive. It really is, and even though you have these two guys in Julian Brock and Heath Hood that have been killing it offensively, I've been told by you that you have a source that says another guy that's been pretty big offensively for the Cajuns will not be out, will be out for tonight and maybe out the whole series. Yeah, Kyle DeBarge is the uh, the third best hitter for Louisiana, and they're shorting short. They're starting shortstop. Um, suffered an injury to his hand last weekend in, in Mobile, and, and apparently it's just he's just not in, in a position to to play tonight. Um, so I, I was told that he will not be in the lineup tonight, um, and his status for the weekend could uh, could very well be in jeopardy as well um but again the weekend it, it could open open wide up but for sure tonight he is uh he he is out with that hand injury um so a pretty big blow there for louisiana but uh, if i know anything about this baseball team and this coaching staff with head coach matt Deggs, it's really just gonna be next man up for this group as they get ready to play the App State Mountaineers. I was hoping that the starting lineup would have been released on social media by this point so that I could give it out uh, before we had to say goodbye. But um, it has not been published just yet. Um, So follow me personally on social media at MiguezMatt with two M's. And as soon as the the starting lineup gets introduced i will uh i will post it on social media i'll also be updating you throughout the game tonight with scoring updates and whatnot and you can also check for our game recap article as well as our video recaps on our youtube channel and all social media james as we start to to wrap up today's show um you know what's the what's the rundown for you this weekend uh, rundown for me, I'm going to be finishing up my Mesh's mock draft that I do yearly. Oh yeah, they're back, baby! <laughs> they're back, and be doing 1.0. We're less than a month away, so thought better than times. Right now is the best time is to do it, and 
you should be able to see it at some point on Saturday. This guy's staying on top of things. Look at James Mesh, ladies and gentlemen. I'm very impressed. Very impressed. Does LSU win tonight, James? Come I'll, on. I'll, <laughs> I'll say no, but they get the win on Saturday to get the series. I was talking about women's basketball. Oh, women's yeah, I mean, basketball. Baseball, baseball, too. Baseball, um, baseball, yes. And then with women, yes. Okay, so both teams win tonight. Baton Rouge goes home happy. I want to thank Jake Crane ben, uh, and Dr. Brian Maggard for joining us today. Come back on Monday, same time, same station. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. Have a great weekend, and we're back on Monday right here on The Game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Let's turn it over to Patrick Wright in the Big D for LSU and Virginia Tech in the Final Four.